Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat, Jr. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is negative implications of counterfeiting. Are you at all surprised that over the past few years, the number of counterfeit and pirated goods entering the, into the United States market has continued to increase? Did you know that last year alone, U.S. Customs made over 24,000 seizures of intellectual property rights infringing goods? Are you aware that counterfeiting and privacy affects nearly every industry, including clothing, shoes, personal care products, electrical equipment, electronics, computers, pharmaceuticals, toys, automotive equipment, and more? Did I leave anything out with that? Uh, I shouldn't have anyway. Stealing the intellectual property of business and entrepreneurs who would provide authentic products is not a victimless crime. Today, my guest Justin Pierce, Esquire, and Valerie Finn, uh, director and I will director of uh, OPSEC uh, Security Marketing, and I will be discussing these issues and what trade organizations like the IACC, INTA, CEA acronym soup is coming here, folks. CAMA, C-A-M-A, we're all working together to stop this crime. And we'll talk about all those acronyms in a little more detail in just a few minutes. I uh, need to, to remind our folks that uh, our show is made possible by our sponsors, Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, and Secure Components, LLC. Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. The principles of BQPM led the development and implementation of the International Hazardous Substance Process Management Certification Program used by more than 4,500 manufacturers to demonstrate their compliance to the European Union's restriction of hazardous substance laws and the International Counterfeit Avoidance Certification Program. To learn more about the work that BQPM does and how they can help your company, visit their website at bqpm.com. Secure Components, LLC, is an independent uh, distributor specializing in obsolete and hard-to-find components. Secure Components is the first company in the world to achieve the international certification for their counterfeit detection and mitigation process controls. Their IECQ-CAP certification was achieved in accordance with the SAE AS6081 standard. When you need to find high-quality, obsolete, or hard-to-find components, you want secure components on your team. 
To learn more about what Secure Components can do for you, visit their website at securecomponents.com. Our show today, as, uh, as I mentioned, is about the negative implications of counterfeiting. I have as my guest today Mr. Justin Pierce and Miss Valerie Finn. Um, hello, Justin and Valerie. Hi, Stan. Hi, Stan. Thank you, thank you for having us. Uh, you're quite welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to, uh, to be here with me and our, my audience and uh, helping us learn some of the important things about this counterfeiting epidemic that we're face, facing here in the U.S. and around the world. A couple of quick notes. Uh, Mr. Pierce, Esquire, has managed complex intellectual pro- property licensing and litigation on an international scale in matters dealing with patents and trademarks, copyrights, and handled cases in various international proceedings, U.S. federal courts, and U.S. International Trade Commission. A partner of Venerable LLC. Did I pronounce that right, Justin? That's right, Venable. Oh, That's right. Venable. I got it. Once in a while, I get those things right. <laughs> <laughs> Justin regularly speaks and writes on a number of intellectual property and brand protection issues. We'll talk more about his background and biography. I want to move on and uh, mention that Miss Finn, Valerie, is uh, joining us again. She's been on the show before. She is Director of uh, Brand Protection for the Tech and Industry Markets, specializes in developing carefully conceived and highly effective brand protection solutions tailored to the individual needs of brand owners. Uh, Valerie, again, welcome back. Uh, Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks again, Stan. Happy to be here. Now, uh, let me uh, turn the mic over, if, if you will, to uh, Justin for just a couple of minutes. Uh, if you don't mind, Justin, uh, sure. kind of say hi and uh, share wisdom with us. Absolutely. Hello, Stan. Again, thanks to having me on the show, and hello, and, and, and thank you to the audience for, for listening in. I am an attorney who specializes in intellectual property, uh, meaning the protection of rights that cover uh, intangible assets like patents and trademarks. Uh, in layman's terms, that's really protecting the things that make you or your product special, like your brand name or your technology. And so a big part of intellectual property law and intellectual property practice really focuses on brand protection, and that is, in essence, what has to take place to prevent or limit the damage that counterfeiting can do to a company's products or to a company's good brand name it's all about brand protection. And so that is really what I focus on in terms of my legal practice. It's also what I have a passion for. I think even in the intro to this program earlier today, there was definitely some sound bites that talked about, you know, wondering whether or not when a rail car derails or there's a malfunction in military equipment, you know, is that due to faulty equipment? Is it due to counterfeit goods? Prior to being a lawyer, I was in the military myself, and so military safety and quality of the equipment that goes to our troops is something that's near and dear to me, and a personal sense as well. So I really share a passion for making sure that the types of products that get out to the consuming public, types of products that get into the government or military supply chain are of high quality and authentic and can be traced back to where they come from. 
Very good. And I did note in your resume that we do share a, uh, a similar background in U.S. military. I was in uh, armored cab for a while, then moved to air defense. And after my 10 years, I was uh, in the Signal Corps towards the end of it. So I recognize, I recognize that passion as well. Thank you. Thanks for your service, especially uh, since we just finished Memorial Day here. Yes, and the same to you as well. Thank you. Uh, Valerie, um, welcome again, and how are you doing today? <laughs> I, I am doing good, Stan. Once again, thank you for having me on the show again, and hello to all the listeners out there, and, and thank you for joining us. As Stan mentioned, um, I am the Director of Brand Protection at an organization called OPSEC Security, and my role at the company is to work with uh, brand holders and help them protect their brands from being counterfeited and uh, develop brand protection programs, whether it's uh, in covering the physical products or online. And I've been in the brand protection space for over eight years. So, you know, a lot of seen a lot of changes over the last eight years in technologies, the advancement of uh, sophistication with counterfeiters, and then obviously with the growth of the Internet, seeing how counterfeiters have, have changed their focus from, you know, working on just the physical goods as well as moving that to online. Um, you know, this is, my, this is my job and this is my passion, so I enjoy enjoy working with the different brand holders on protecting their, their IP. But then also, similar to your listeners, you know, I'm a consumer. So, um, you know, being aware of what's, what's being bought and sold out there by different companies, you know, it affects myself, uh, my family, my friends. You know, I, I have two young children. So, obviously, when you, you hear things about um, fake uh, automotive parts as brakes, airbags, you know, the different components going into uh, airplanes. That obviously affects me from a, a personal a personal standpoint because that, that brings into account my own safety and, and safety of those around me. So very passionate on all levels. Well, uh, yes, and, and I think that's what drives many of us that have gotten involved in this particular aspect of uh, industry, the, the counterfeiting, the hazardous substances that kind of make, uh, make a part of the counterfeiting a, a bigger issue as well. I understand, Valerie, you also just spent some time traveling in the world and, and had a joyful uh, vacation as part of that travel, only to come back and face me in the radio show today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's correct. I, I was recently spent the last week in, in Bali over in Indonesia, and it was quite interesting because, you know, I, I work with uh, brand holders and, and counterfeiting and combating it as, as part of my everyday job. But over in Bali in an area, a region called Kuta, um, there's just rows and rows of streets that are lined with these market vendors. And as I walked up and down the street, um, you know, even myself that's very trained in this, in this field, I had difficult um, being able to differentiate what was real or what was counterfeit. And as you walk down these streets, the, the first thing in my head was just that a lot of these products cannot be legitimate because, you know, there's all these different types of consumer electronics being sold, uh, you know, right there on the street, high-end brands, 
you know, at really low discounted prices. And even when there were some brick and mortar stores of uh, popular surf stores, in, in my head, I still had doubts wondering how much of that product is really legitimate, how much of it is fake. And, and for myself, being in this industry, I can only imagine how overwhelming it could be for somebody who doesn't know anything about the risk of counterfeiting or, you know, what could potentially be out there. So it was quite, right. a, quite eye-opening. All right. Well, let's, let's, move, uh, let's move over to the topic of today's show, which is based on, uh, let me just cover a little bit here to recap on it. Based on published reports, U.S. Customs has made over 24,000 seizures of intellectual property rights infringing goods uh, last year. Justin, this is, you know, Valerie's in the business of trying to help industry protect themselves before this becomes a problem. Sure. And as I understand it, you're in the business of doing that, but you also take action when things don't go right. That's Can absolutely you sh- right. Uh, maybe you could share with us some of that and uh, any any case has, case case studies that might be uh, relevant. Sure. Well, a good way to look at it, sort of what happens uh, from someone in, in my profession, we look at it really sort of in, in three different ways. There's certainly preventative steps that I'm involved in. I think what you really look at when you look at counterfeiting problems oftentimes is a lack of awareness or a lack of know-how or a lack of education about the implications or just how dangerous it can be. And right. that happens on the side of companies, that happens on the side of the consuming public, happens even on the side of those uh, in law enforcement or who deal with these issues in courts of law. So to look at this sort of in order, I think uh, there's really sort of three key points here. What do you do preventatively? What do you do meaning before you re- recognize you have a problem or when you're dealing with any sort of product what kind of steps can you take so that you minimize uh, the impact of counterfeiting? Right. And number two, what do you do once you discover it? And then three, what do you do after discovery? Do you, do you go after the entities or the people responsible through law enforcement? Do you go after them through uh, litigation? Do you try to get some sort of legal recompense for the damage that's been done to your brand? Or in certain cases, what do you do about the damage done to customers who think they have your product? It's not your product, and that fake product has somehow harmed the public in some way. So if we look at the whole spectrum, there's a lot that has to sort of be looked at and a lot that sort of the legal practice deals with in the sense of basically all three. But to kind of give an overview, I think the biggest Uh way to deal with all those is really to increase everyone's awareness that it really is a problem. I think earlier you talked about the number of different industries that counterfeiting affects. And I think it's such a pervasive problem and such a widespread problem that there really isn't an industry or a type of good, or in many cases even a service, that's not touched by either counterfeit or pirated goods. You know, that, that that brings everything home for me once again uh, recently. Um, I went. I have a Dell computer, and I went out on the internet. And I had to replace my battery, and doing that, I, I wound up going to eBay and finding what I thought. And, and now, mind you, I'm in this industry too, and part of my job is traveling the world, looking at all these issues, and trying to help industry from a technical point of view. 
the the short of it is I wound up buying a battery off of an eBay sale. And then a week or two later, I met up with a fellow from Dell uh, who's in the Dell company. And his business, his job, rather, is about products and product safety. And he shared with me that the only place you can buy a Dell product and know that you're getting authentic Dell products is uh, from Dell. And it used to be from Amazon. I understand Amazon now is starting to have some difficulties as well. But the the scary part was I know that counterfeit batteries in computers can catch fire. And I started thinking about all the travel I do and realized just how big of a risk I took doing that. That's right. And an interesting interesting point. You mentioned batteries. Just a, a quick story there. That's an area or a type of product that is frequently counterfeited, and many of the counterfeits actually are pretty high quality in terms of the look. They're not high quality right. in terms of the product or their safety. One of the most often left out parts of the battery is something that most of us as consumers don't think about, but the vent, uh, the part of the battery that lets heat out. It's also right. one of the parts that causes expense to those who manufacture it, and one of the easy areas for counterfeit manufacturers to leave out. So be that as it may, many of the uh, stories you hear of electronic devices overheating, uh, batteries exploding either in cell phones or video games or other electronic equipment, oftentimes, including even flashlights, there's definitely recorded cases of this happening where the batteries, you know, uh, explode, uh, causes some sort of, uh, you know, pyrotechnic incident and either leads to fire or definitely damages or hurts the person using the device. So it's something that happens a lot more frequently than, than, than people admit. Yeah, and it just it just drove it home for me so so strongly that I could actually be in an airplane that and start a fire, which could hurt not only myself but the potential of bringing down an airplane because of something like that. Just it scared me into never buying another such item without knowing that it's or doing the best I can to know that it's authentic. Sure. Um, You've raised some interesting points. I want to uh, I want to come back to those interesting points, but we need we do need to take a station identification break here. Uh, everybody, stand by. Don't go away. We'll be back in just uh, a couple of minutes here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. 5195. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? 
It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Dan Salat. Our show today is Negative Implications of Counterfeiting. When we opened the show, I was asking if you're at all surprised over the past few years, the number of counterfeit and pirated goods entering the U.S. market has continued to increase. And did you know that last year alone, U.S. Customs made over 24,000 seizures of intellectual property rights infringing goods. That's a lot of product that's been quarantined and, and probably destroyed uh, at the borders. And we talked about this being in just about every industry. My guest, Mr. Justin Pierce and Ms. Valerie Finn, both involved heavily in uh, the counter-counterfeiting industry, if you will, the anti-counterfeiting industry. And before the break, we were talking about some of that. I'd like to come back. And uh, actually, Valerie, as I understand, you're involved not only in your company, but you're involved in uh, an association. In fact, you and uh, Justin are both in a at least one organization together. That's um, We need some help to understand who they are and what they are. Sure. Um, as you mentioned, you know, I am I am participate in several different trade organizations, but the the group that Justin and I are involved in is um, INTA, which is the International Trademark Association, and we are involved in the uh, the U.S. Um, anti counterfeiting subcommittee group for uh, the U.S. We were actually just in Hong Kong two weeks ago for the annual meeting. But part of our initiative for our, our subcommittee is to really help educate the public, um, make public awareness about the risks of counterfeiting, the issues um, from a, you know, from a safety standpoint, a health standpoint, from, you know, how it impacts the financial um, risk to a company as well as the, the loss of jobs. So part of helping combat counterfeiting is is really a lot of public awareness and education, and that's really what Justin and I are responsible for on this task force for the next two years. Very good. And this is actually an international 
uh, organization and you're working on the the activities in the U.S. or uh, the Americas overall? Um, Jess and I are involved in on just the U.S. subcommittee, but it is a global organization. So there are probably, I mean, Justin, maybe I think it's broken into 10 different regions, 10 or 12 different regions. That's right. It's several different regions. So the organization will have committee members like us that represent really each part of the world and focus on a number of different topics. Uh, this one, obviously, anti-counterfeiting being, being one of the, the more popular ones, actually, within the organization uh, for people to focus on. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. What, uh, what type of activities uh, are involved in that awareness process? Well, one is uh, what we're doing right here, right now, believe it or not. There is some uh, uh, creativity and flexibility left to committee members. Uh, one is definitely getting the word out, uh, engaging in various forms of media, albeit whether it's social media, whether it's radio broadcast, uh, and certainly through educational materials, whether it's through writings, and really whether it's even through many people's professional work. Uh, for people like Valerie and myself, you know, in our lines of work, we are almost always focused on educating clients and the people and companies we serve, you know, as to the different threats and dangers they can find with counterfeiting and some of the benefits to them by, by fighting it. So in terms of what the organization INTA really does, it kind of focuses obviously on, on supporting uh, and being a pro-intellectual property organization. Trademarks is one arm of intellectual property that covers, obviously, brand names and the names that convey quality and give people assurance that what they're buying is authentic on the market. And so naturally, a focus on trying to prevent counterfeiting or various business fraud involving products or brand names is something that's really important. So I think multifaceted educational activities is probably one of the biggest activities within ENTA. I think also creating a lot of educational and legal material is also an, an area that's done uh, quite a bit. They also run a number of different other activities and initiatives, some relating directly to anti-counterfeiting and brand protection, others relating to sort of education and trademarks and intellectual property overall. So there's a huge amount of focus on educational issues through the association. One of those educational processes is uh, actually a, an article that you authored or co-authored. Um, I'm sitting here That's right. glancing through it. The Anti-Counterfeiting 2012? That's uh, right. That's right. That was an article I wrote. Uh, a couple years ago now, and that's that's one of probably many articles I've written on the topic of anti-counterfeiting or brand protection, and that particular article you're referring to was actually the Anti-Counterfeiting Guide uh, 2012 U.S. Chapter. It's a guide that's put out annually by the World Trademark Review, and within that guide annually, there are sections that cover many of the countries around the world in terms of updates in their laws, updates in their legal and legislative frameworks as to how they will deal with counterfeiting problems. It also deals with some recommendations in general based on the laws at that time in the U.S., and it's still very current now, in terms of best practices for brands and companies to follow uh, when they do discover uh, counterfeiting problems or in terms of best practices to prevent or reduce the impact of counterfeiting. And where where can the listening audience uh, find a copy of this other than 
write me and I'll send them with your permission. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a couple different ways to get this. Probably the, the easiest way uh, to get a copy, uh, there's one that they can get through my firm's website uh, quite simply at www.venable.com. Uh, you can go to that site, which is the site for my law firm, and go directly to my personal link or link where my biography is. And through there, it provides links to all the publications and various articles that I have written. And okay. that specific URL is venable.com slash Justin E. Pierce. And from there, you can find a number of the articles and publications that I've written. Very good. This this particular one um, I found to be quite interesting. I do an awful lot of, in fact, most of my work is international. Uh, while it all affects the U.S., it it's really trying to put a an international approach to things. But I found some of the information in this particular article relevant to the criminal uh, prosecution and the laws what can happen to be extremely interesting. I didn't know we had some pretty good uh, penalties out there. We do. It's a great point. And believe it or not, I say this in, uh, you know, as, as dark as the topic can be, there are some rays of light, and the U.S. and many other countries as well have really toughened up their intellectual property laws. One part of toughening up your intellectual property law is to either increase the penalties or, or criminal penalties or fees and fines that one would have to pay or an entity would have to pay if they're caught or engaged or liable in acts of counterfeiting or trafficking counterfeit goods. And with the importance of IP and the importance of not having your intellectual property or simply put, as I talked before, the things that make you or your technology special from being ripped off, uh, because of that importance in our economy, the U.S. over the past few years has really ramped up its laws to punish or to enhance the damages uh, that could be sought after someone in a criminal or civil aspect um, for trafficking and counterfeit goods. It, it, one of the big reasons for this, uh, and I'll, I'll put it at this, and I think this is, goes into the awareness as to why counterfeiting is so bad, is that many people don't realize that in the U.S. economy now, and the same numbers sort of bear out in proportion to many other countries in the Western world, but in the U.S. now, just based on the latest statistics, about 55.7 million jobs either are directly or indirectly supported by intellectual property and intellectual property intensive industries. So one can only imagine what happens if counterfeiting is prevalent in your economy. It really can lead to job loss. It can lead to loss of profit margin and products sold. And I think we all know what happens you know, to companies where you've got sales being lost due to you know, theft or IP infringement uh, equals job loss after a time. So these are very important. And that's why the laws, yeah. I think, have gotten more strict. Uh, there's there's two things that come to mind. It, specifically, work I did back in the mid two thousands, two thousand five, six, seven time frame was on hazardous substance mitigation, and that was driven by the European Union coming down with penalties that included up to ten years in jail for executive managers of companies that violated the regulations, and unlimited financial penalties. Um, and that had that had a huge impact on the rest of the world paying attention. 
So I, I suspect that we're seeing the same thing here. A- another thing that comes to mind is a question, really, and either Valerie or Justin, we have intellectual property issues come up from time to time, and one of the more recent ones we heard about had to do with uh, intellectual property of phone, uh, cell phone design, and I'll, I won't go beyond that point, but um, there was huge penalties on that, but at the same time, I see that type of intellectual property infringement a little bit differently than the folks that make $10 Gucci bags or Levi jeans that you can buy for $5. Um, am I mistaken when I, when I think that way? I, I don't think you're mistaken. It's probably a, a sentiment shared by many. Oftentimes, I think when we or the public in general makes assessments as to you know what is worthy or not of intellectual property protection, you often look at the goods or nature of the goods themselves. And so what's interesting with this topic that we're talking about is that on the one hand, whether you've got someone in a van selling a luxury pocketbook that's supposed to be a Gucci and it's not, or whether you've got someone who's legitimately trying to order um, pharmaceuticals that they need uh, online or through other means and they're shipped something that is fake and instead of being medicine with an active ingredient, just has water in it or water in some bacteria, the damage and harm that could come to some person could be could be much different in those scenarios. And I think it's those type of scenarios that make people really focus on, okay, what should big penalties, what should large amounts be awarded to people for? Um, looking back at you know, what you pointed out with some of the cases between companies over phone design, much of the damages there really went to uh, numbers, huge numbers of, of, of sales of items, and, and basically damages were made attributable to the numbers of items sold, you know, multiplied times, you know, the price or some measure of the pricing of those those goods. So you did end up with some, some larger numbers that I think seemed large to the public as compared to someone selling a fake, fake pair of Levi's. Right. Yeah, and, and Stan, I agree with probably yours and Justin's standpoint that I think other consumers, uh, most of the consumers out there will probably think in a, in a same way. You know, purchasing, they may be purchasing a, a counterfeit pair of sneakers or apparel uh, is probably at a different caliber than if they were to purchase some sort of illicit, uh, you know, counterfeit uh, prescription, that the, the harm is probably much greater and a much greater risk with pharmaceuticals or um, compared to, you know, apparel. I think, however, from a brand holder standpoint, um, I think regardless of whether it's apparel or, you know, um, shoes or, or pharmaceutical, I think they're more concerned from overall the their dilution of their product in the marketplace, their, the risk to consumers, um, the health risk, their, the risk to their public image. And so I think from a, a brand holder standpoint, regardless of the cost of what's being counterfeited, um, you know, they look at it at a much different perspective than the end consumer because they, they have a much 
much more in the basket to lose from revenue, from market share, from profits, as well as, you know, any sort of liability of, of what may happen to the consumer buying this product that they think is, you know, authentic. Yes, and that, that was brought up. I've, I've actually had that brought up in a couple of different ways. Uh, one particular one, and I'll go back to my battery for my Dell computer. Um, what the gentleman from Dell shared with me is that some people buy the cases, buy the old batteries for next to nothing. They open them up and they put the counterfeit goods inside. They close them back up and it actually looks like an authentic piece of equipment. Um, in this particular case, because of, again, my own technical background, I wound up, after talking with him, I did open it up and look at it. I saved about $10 by buying this product off of eBay, guaranteed brand new, um, all the right credentials, all the right markings. When I opened it up, it became obvious that it was counterfeited. Uh, and what Dell's representative shared with me Unfortunately, Dell could be liable if that airplane came down. And I, I keep going to the airplane. I, I spend. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, right. two two hundred thousand miles a year in airplanes. So I I spend a lot of time up there, and it scares me now. It it absolutely scares me. Right. Uh, your your story is on point, though, in terms of the kind of liability. And this is something again where, regardless of the product. Uh, and regardless of whether we're talking pharmaceuticals, a battery, uh, footwear even, uh, there's way too much evidence that this is something that a brand owner or a company cannot sleep on, regardless of consumer perception. And that's why I think we come back to why awareness and education is so important, that the entire trade of counterfeit goods is so pervasive and negative that when you do give a dollar to a counterfeiter, you're often indirectly feeding organized crime that's not just dealing in footwear, but they're dealing in all types of things. And all you're doing is, is forwarding and facilitating the trade of more illegal and unsafe goods. And so whether it's shoes that are glued together with some sort of unsafe glue or something that contains formaldehyde, uh, for instance, or, or uh, you know, there's stories of perfume that people may think is quite simple and there's been tests done. I can, I can certainly cite some cases where things, uh, you know, you know, foul things like urine are found in perfume. And, and there's many other stories like this to yeah. where in just about every product category, it's very hard at a certain point to sort of sit there and, 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 and belittle the, the damage that could be done, not right. just to the brand, but to a consumer. And then have that consumer turn around and look to that business and say, okay, your product uh, harmed me or your product gave right. me a really unsatisfactory experience and then turn away from that. You can just imagine the damage um, to companies and brands that way. Yeah, we'll come back and talk about that one as well, uh, an experience uh, that, that took place in uh, the world, if, if you will, the world at large. We need to take a short station identification break, and we'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat.com at ECCCorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ECCCorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is Negative Implications of Counterfeiting. Um, I'm going to jump right back into the show with my uh, guest. We've got a lot to cover. We've only got about five or six minutes left before uh, we actually break. And I don't want to miss a minute of opportunity to chat with uh, both Valerie and Justin. Um, just before the break, we were talking about the impacts of uh, counterfeiting and, and the, the negative impacts on us as uh, consumers and what it can do to brand recognition. And just quickly, uh, part of what started out to be a uh, brand recognition issue, one particular one, if we go back in time to 2003, a small company known as uh, by name as Sony wound up with a problem with a product that they were selling in Europe. And it had more to do with uh, cables that had uh, unacceptable flame retardants and cables of that product, but in the sh- in the long haul, it turned out to be a counterfeit cable that was used when it shouldn't have been. And the reason I bring all that up, Justin and Valerie, is that Sony lost, uh, they were fined, I think, $200, 300000000 million. Nobody went to jail, but more importantly, 
the brand recognition impact was huge back in that time frame. Um, and I have to believe that that's a huge problem for almost any company that gets caught up in a uh, situation where their products are being counterfeited. Your thoughts on that? I mean, definitely any sort of news or issues out there about counterfeiting can definitely impact uh, the brand recognition and, and their market share. I think, you know, we've been talking a lot about consumer education and awareness. And what I found in, in my everyday job working with high-level executives at these global corporations is that even from an internal executive level, there still needs to be a lot of education done about the impacts of counterfeiting um, at a high level. So not only are we trying to drive awareness to consumers, but I think a lot of these brand holders and corporations from the CEO down you know, need to understand um, how you know, getting, having counterfeit parts or products out in the supply chain impacts their business and what are the risks if they don't implement a brand protection program to, to try to combat that. Right. I think that's a great point. Uh, to, to give a little bit more context to that as well, just in my recent history with working with a lot of different clients, I've worked with, with various companies, both uh, being at them internally as a lawyer and other times advising people as an outside attorney, as you know, as a client, I found that a number of executives' view of counterfeiting is not too different from a consumer. You think of it as something where someone's in a, in a van in a back alley at a flea market, and at most they're selling, you know, fake jeans or you know, luxury uh, handbags that that look almost uh, like the real thing, and that's about the extent of their imagination when it comes to counterfeiting and its harm. Uh, be that as it may, a lot of companies are losing millions to counterfeiting, and oftentimes it's because they're unaware of the impact or unaware of the fact that counterfeiters have spotted their product and are either copying the product or various components of it, and that they're losing money as a result. And I think the big question we, we have today that's, that's educational to start down that road for executives is really ask yourself at a company, do I have a brand protection plan? Do I have a system in place that will help me either detect, prevent, or monitor counterfeiting of my product or some components of my product? That, that very subject was raised at a meeting I attended with Homeland Security, and it it was further interesting to hear the counterfeiters are getting more intelligent every day. And one of the things they're doing in this, again, I'm stuck on my battery, but I saved, you know, 10 or 15% by buying that battery. Uh, in, the, in days past, you could buy that same thing for 90% less. Uh, what Homeland Security said that they've seen the trend that counterfeiters are now increasing their prices to be just a small percentage below what the authentic material or the authentic products are. I'm not sure that industry executives really understand that unless they really understand the Internet and what the Internet can do. Correct. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, with the growth of the Internet, with the different Chinese trade boards, with uh, the issues you see on Amazon and eBay, the, the counterfeiters have become more sophisticated. And before brand holders could identify a, a fake product by the large price differentiator, 
But now in order um, to kind of combat that, like you said, counterfeiters are now selling their products very close to what a legitimate product would sell for. So uh, for consumers, it's, it's very hard to distinguish, you know, now what is real or what's, what's fake. That's, that's true. And if you think it's tough for consumers, it's tough a lot for the uninitiated or uneducated who are within companies who have a hard time distinguishing between a product of their own and a high-quality counterfeit of a product of theirs. Oftentimes, it requires forensics or lab analysis and things like that. So those are all reasons why I think it's more important than ever for company executives to really establish and resource brand protection functions, brand protection training, and really look at their processes within companies so that they can really understand what they need to do to detect them, what they need to do to prevent them, and what they need to do to monitor them um, and try to understand when they are being impacted by counterfeits. Well, very, very uh, interesting and uh, necessary to get this word out. Unfortunately, we are coming up on the end of our show, and I'd like to ask each of you uh, to take about 60 seconds and, uh, if you will, leave our audience with a gold nugget that uh, will help them help themselves and help their families relative to counterfeiting. Or anti-counterfeiting <laughs> to be a little bit or more a little more on target or anti-counterfeiting. Uh, sure, um, I will go first. So I, I think uh, the little golden nugget um, would just be you know buyer beware, and if it seems uh, too good to be true, it, it, it probably is. So just when you're shopping either in a store, especially online. Um, you know, do your due diligence, put on your, your thinking caps. And if, if you can get something at a, a really significantly less cost than normally you're seeing, then there's probably a high probability that it's not a legitimate product. So just, um, you know, keep that in mind and be a smart shopper. Okay. That's Justin. right. I would, I would say something similar. I think buyer beware and buyer be very aware of the location or venue where you actually buy a product. Uh, just like the person who goes to a flea market and walks away for paying $5 to get a luxury uh, pocketbook, think the same way when it comes to you know where you're buying pharmaceuticals, for instance. Oftentimes online, that's probably the worst place to buy them. Uh, for goods in general, if you buy things from that manufacturer, from you know a, a person or entity that sells products that offers warranties and, and offers things in good condition and does business in an upfront way, oftentimes you're much more protected. So use common sense, buyer beware, and always be inquisitive about what you're buying as well. Uh, certainly try to contact the buyers. Uh, your eBay story was quite interesting with the battery. I think people who follow up oftentimes with those sellers do better than those who just sort of uh, fire and forget by clicking in, uh, hoping that they get something authentic. Okay. Well, I do thank you both very much for being on the show with me. I certainly welcome both of you back. Uh, it sounds like it's a progressive thing, and we can have additional discussions on this, this topic for sure. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Hey, you're quite welcome. And uh, just to close on the counterfeit bag issue, uh, keep in mind there is one other aspect of most counterfeits, and this is technically sound information. 
if you recall, not too long ago, they found some handbags, uh, women's handbags that were counterfeited, and the outer outer uh, covers had excessive amounts of lead uh, in the finish. Uh, right. That lead then gets transmitted to your children. Um, we can also keep in mind that lead is one of the contributors to autism, Asperger's. Uh, it also, if cadmium is in there, it is a contributor to cancer. So counterfeits are dangerous uh, in all ways, and anything we can do to further uh, share the information and make our listening audience more uh, knowledgeable is, is what we're trying to do. Well, it, it, here we are once again coming up on the end of the show. I need to recognize uh, first and foremost my guest one last time. Thank you very much, uh, Valerie and Justin, for being on the show today. Sure, we really enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you. And people to people working together is all about bringing people together to share knowledge and create a safer environment for us all. I hope your takeaway from today's show is a little bit of that, that you recognize that as a community, as a culture, as a country, we are all faced with a dilemma that uh, inexpensive items are not always the safest thing for us or our families or our friends, and counterfeiting has a traumatic uh, impact, a definite impact on our economy overall. If you have any questions, uh, agree or disagree with the information we are sharing, please send me an email with your comments or questions to Stan at uh, stand.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stand.salat at ecccorp.org. Uh, I'd be happy to share those, and if they're directed at either Justin or Valerie, we will get you an answer. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, and Secure Components, LLC. Remember, if you need help in consulting uh, business process development, uh, by all means, Business and Quality Process Management can help you, and we work with folks like Valerie and Justin is as appropriate. Secure components, if you need parts that you can't find that are obsolete or uh, hard to get, they're your source. That's a team that knows how to find those hard-to-find products and find good quality products that are not counterfeited. I'd like to recognize our supporting, supporting staff at uh, Voice America, Brandy Jackson. Uh, General Manager Robert Cellino is our executive producer. Randy Jackman is our production manager. Jeffrey Gerstel is our director of host services. And Brooke Ida is our marketing and social media. Uh, also, um, we have for on the people-to-people side, Yulia Coach, Coach Branding and people-to-people production manager. Yulia is the right hand that makes all this happen each and every week. As we sign off today, I want to once again thank you for joining me on People-to-People, working together for your safety. Remember, change only happens when people come together and work together. 
your help in the fight against the proliferation of hazardous substances and counterfeiting of consumer products could save a life. Until next week, I'm your host, Stan Salat, wishing you a safe and healthy life. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat Jr. for next week's edition of People to People, Working for Your Safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week. We'll be right back.